0: Welcome to Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. We come to the end of another week on the show, another week in which uh, there was an awful lot to talk about. We'll continue uh, having conversations about the big stories in the news today. But um, let me start by saying hello to Jim Galloway, who joins me on Fridays. And Jim, before I introduce the panel, I wanted to say to you something that we're doing. We're having a group of mayors on the show today, as you know. And and I always say when we start these shows— that the thing about mayors is they are in touch with their constituents in a way that elected officials at other levels of government simply are not. And, and as a result of that, they have to find often pragmatic solutions to the problems that face their community. They can't afford to sit in the U.S. House or the U.S. Senate and have uh, debates that are stymied by extreme partisanship and really uh, get nowhere, which is one of the reasons I always enjoy these shows, Jim.
1: Yeah, they are they are executives, and uh, uh, so they, they are required to act. And what's uh, what's uh, to add add to that mix? Uh, Bill is under Georgia law, uh, mayoral races are nonpartisan; uh, exactly. they cannot be identified by by party, at least not exactly. not officially.
0: Not officially. Thank you. Thank you for pointing that out. And with that said, let's introduce our mayors today. We're very pleased to welcome back the mayor of East Point, Dina Holiday Ingram. Um, Mayor Ingram, uh, you're coming from you got up extra early because you're out in Reno for, I think, a a, a mayor's meeting of some sort, right? Yes.
2: Good morning, Bill. Thanks so much for having me this morning. I'm out in Reno, Nevada for the U.S. Conference of Mayors Conference, so it is 6 o'clock here, but I'm, I'm here and excited to have these conversations this morning.
0: Yeah, well, your, your, your energy sounds great for early. I know that Savannah Mayor Van Johnson, who also joins us, that I told you before the show started, you're heading out there uh, tomorrow, Mayor Johnson, right? That is correct.
3: Uh, good morning, and it's always a pleasure to be on. Uh, and yes, I will be joining Mayor Holiday Ingram and other mayors from across the country uh, as we do what you just said to do. I mean, talk about the issues that are on our front steps um, that we can't run away from and that we can't be mired in partisanism or, uh, or politics. We, you know, we're charged to be able to address issues Many sometimes
0: that are Absol- not, not under our control. Um, mayor Ingram and Mayor Johnson have done this show on any number of occasions, but we're really happy to welcome for the first time the mayor of Columbus, Georgia, Skip Henderson. Mayor Henderson, you just had a big victory. You just won re-election. I think you have more than 60% of the vote to win a second term. Have I got that about right? Yeah, good morning, Bill. Yeah, we, we, we did. We we're very, very grateful, grateful to be here for another four years. Well, thank you so much. It's really a pleasure to have a chance to talk with you on the show uh, today as well. Um, What I'd like to do, if I may, um, is start the conversation by giving each of you just a chance to tell us briefly, um, what are the the issues? What are you working on right now in each of your cities that our listeners might want to know so they can get a little better idea of what you all are working on. Now, Mayor Henderson, why don't I just uh, start with you and we'll go around. I appreciate it, yeah. And, um, you know, obviously uh, public safety
4: is the number one issue in our community. We actually had a pretty good spike in 2021. We had about a 50% increase in homicide. Uh, And and that is coinciding with uh, staffing challenges that we're having with our public safety departments. Even though we're a consolidated government, we still have a police department and a sheriff's department. Uh, so we have been relying a little bit more uh, than, than uh, normal on our uh, sheriff's department uh, to, to collaborate with the police department to try to take care of some of the crime issues. Now, fortunately, we've seen a, um, a decrease this year, um, but, uh, you know, we, we've got about 50 percent of the homicides this year that we had last year uh, to this to this same point. But, you know, people are talking about wanting more opportunities for youth. And so we've been focusing a lot of uh, a lot of the ARP funding, and a lot of our own funding on trying to trying to continue to uh, to provide some of those opportunities. And we still struggle with certain areas of our community that that are lagging in healthcare opportunities, as well as uh, just living in an, an impoverished environment. Uh, so we we've we've, uh, we've worked with some of our local agencies and organizations to try to try to address some of the key issues to break in some of this generational poverty that, uh, you know, that kind of connects everything, everything from crime to education to, you know, to to, uh, poor uh, physical health and mental health.
0: Uh, Mayor Johnson, that's a pretty good menu of issues. And um, I suspect that uh, you would have you'd listen to that and hear uh, some of them that relate to what you're dealing with in Savannah right now as well.
3: Absolutely. Uh you know, public safety I and mean, again we we live in a state where guns are allowed everywhere and then we see them everywhere. Uh they see, we see them within our cities and uh, as a result, uh Georgia is experiencing crime in all corners of our community. Uh we have some of the same issues where uh people who have guns should not have them, um and and obviously don't have the wherewithal to settle their disputes amicably and then we have some some issues. Uh, our law enforcement having the same challenges, the trying to get talent, um, being able to uh, maintain what we have and so that's always a, a challenge. Uh, but then on the other end of it, we're addressing issues of homelessness um, and affordable housing. Um, Savannah has you know, been a quite hot uh, part of the state and, and so um, as that happens, you know the demand for housing um, and an extraordinarily hot housing market has, has created um, some flux, where uh, now housing is becoming too expensive for people to live. And then finally, um, managing growth. Um, you know, you've heard about the largest economic development um, project ever in the state of Georgia is coming uh, to the Savannah area, which we're very proud of. Um, 8,100 jobs. Um, Electric vehicles and all of those things. Um, the ports are, are growing at a rapid clip, uh, but we have to manage that because all of that, although very, very good, means more roads, it means more trucks. Uh, how do we manage that in a way that people have houses and places to live? How do we manage that to make sure we have a workforce that's available locally to take advantage of those opportunities? There's just not people moving here um, that are able to get those opportunities. So. Um, you know, our plate remains always
0: full. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple of things you you, and, and Mayor Henderson both said that, uh, that Jim and I are going to want to circle back to, including this this big, big Hyundai uh, development that's coming your way. But before we get to, to that and talking more about public safety, Mayor Ingram, why don't you weigh in for us?
2: Yes. Um, of course, public safety is a top priority as well and concern for our residents.
0: Um, we, too, have seen
2: an increase in crime. Um out of our homicides have increased substantially. Um, we've had 12 since January to May of this year. One of those were stranger incidents where the people didn't know each other. But people are resulting resorting to guns, um, as Mayor Johnson said, because they're so widely accept- accessible, and the ability to just carry here in our state. Um, I think that is definitely helping increasing our uptick. Um, and so with that. Residents want to feel safe and want to know that we prioritize safety and so we've um, prioritized funding and, and equipment and things that I'll get in when we talk to talk about more about the ARPA funding. Um, in addition to, to safety, um, I'd also say environmental justice. So we are in a city where a lot of industrial places, we have several areas within our city where industrial uses are next to residential uses. And although those decisions were made decades before we got here, um, the impact on the quality of life of residents in our community and the concerns for our community members are growing. And so um, we definitely are having conversations with those industrial owners. Um, Some are more willing to come to the table than others and and really trying to figure out how we can um, improve um, and and really eliminate the, the impact on their quality of life. Um, the challenge is, is that, you know, from a state and federal compliance perspective, they're in compliance with regulations, but those regulations were drafted quite some time ago. I serve on the EPA's local government advisory council and chair the environmental justice subgroup. And so we are having those conversations about how with the infrastructure law um, and the funding that's coming down, how we can really do some remediation and mitigation. And then I'd also chime in on um, health care and housing affordability. In recent news, um, Wellstar Health Center, which is located in the city of East Point, um, transitioned their model from acute care, emergency, and hospital care to urgent care and primary care. And so that is the only was the only hospital south of 20 in, in the area. And then housing affordability, making sure we grow equitably.
0: <laughs> okay. Jim Galloway, lots to talk about <laughs> and obviously a lot of themes uh, that these three mayors are all dealing with. Why don't you jump in?
1: Yeah, uh, actually, actually, uh, let's hit on that last point if we can, if just uh, very, very quickly, uh, Mayor Ingram. And and uh, one thing, I, it, it's probably happening in East Point, but I'd be interested in in whether it's happening in Columbus and, and Atlanta as well. In in uh, you've in, in Metro Atlanta, you've got this r- real sharp increase in investor purchases of single family housing. Uh, yes. who who are doing it for rental pur- purposes and it's really put a cap on 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 a, on an individual's ability to compete in the housing market and get that first starter home uh is is that is is that uh, mayor Ingram is that something that you've seen and and uh, uh the other two uh, mayor Henderson and, and and mayor Johnson uh if you could weigh in yes um,
2: we've seen a lot of investor purchase properties. For rental, but also where um, they're buying properties, say maybe eighty thousand or a hundred thousand, and demolishing, rebuilding, and then selling them for over four hundred thousand—a substantial increase—that accelerates the market within our city and accelerates the gentrification within those areas. And so, um, yes, a lot of investors, a lot of opportunities for first-time home buyers, but we still have. Um, I think over about 300 blighted properties within our city that we, you know, encourage people as opportunities, not only for investors, but for first-time home buyers. And how do we strategically and intentionally really start deciding, like, whether or not the city should be owning some of those properties to have site control over what goes there, but also to partner with community developers, not just people who want to do economic development, but people who want to build community as well. Anybody can build a building. But we're looking for responsible developers who want to build buildings for our community that benefit our community and help house our community. So, yes, we're seeing those challenges as well.
0: Mayor Johnson, you you have such a broad range of housing in Savannah, from very, very high end to uh, housing that is dilapidated and probably needs replacement. I'm curious how you respond to what Jim asked.
3: Well, we have the same problem. Um, As a matter of fact, I receive probably no less than two or three postcards a day. Um, I receive text messages on my personal phone. I have people calling me at my home asking me, do I want to sell my house? I talked about this Hmm. extensively in my Tuesday presser. I think that it's predatory. Um, I think that it's harassing. And I'm looking into a city ordinance to prevent it. I thought we had like a do not call list. Um, and the fact is is that these are investors that buy property um, at much less. I mean, they'll, and, the, and the catch is this. You know, hey, cash sale, you know, no closing costs, uh, and you can get this done, you can get it done now, we can move it forward. And the prices they're offering are so far below the value of the home that people don't really realize what they're doing when they get the cash and they have to go pay rent somewhere else. Um, and then they turn, Mayor Ingram says they turn around now and, uh it's further gentrified our communities. Um, you know, I'm very concerned about our seniors, I'm very concerned about our impoverished because wealth comes in land, it doesn't come in money. And so the most important asset they have, you know, uh is, is often taken away from them in in really uh schemes of harassment. So again we're looking at you know locally doing some type of ordinance to try to slow some of this stuff down. I mean it's not it's not fair and believe it or not I guess I'm it's get my nerves frankly.
0: Mayor mayor henderson <laughs> have we lost uh mayor henderson i think we've lost mayor henderson oh, there we go i'm sorry uh,
4: i'm sorry techni- that's okay. technically challenged here trying to get things in order but okay no, we're, we are uh we're experiencing uh, some of the same things now we've uh, the, the build to rent subdivisions are just now starting to appear in columbus uh, we've got a, a a heavily heavy military population former militaries and then uh, some of the folks that, uh, when they're stationed at Fort Benning, they'll purchase a house and then they'll leave with the intention of coming back, so they put it on the rental market. You know, our challenge, uh, just like every every community across the country, is is not just affordable housing, but it's quality affordable housing. We've got people uh, because of the rising prices of uh, not just the uh, the price points for for purchase, but price points for rent. Um, they're they're resorting to living in areas that just are unsuitable. We when I first came in office, we sort of took on a lot of this blight, and we have uh, we appropriated almost two million dollars over the last three years to try to eradicate some of this blight uh, with the intention of going through the land uh, uh, land bank to try to get it back on the market with partners who are building affordable and quality uh, housing for uh, for individuals but uh, yeah you know we we get harassed and we see people all the time these investors trying to purchase properties and and uh, we've been fortunate that we've had uh, some partners that have worked with us, NeighborWorks. Uh, our community reinvestment works very closely with DCA uh, to try to identify not just finance uh, methods, but, but also uh, rehabilitation methods to try, to try to correct some of the, some of the,
0: the, the skewed uh, uh, pricing that we've seen come across lately. So, uh, Mayor Henderson, while the ball is in your court, let me start the topic that I'm, uh, I think everybody, is, everybody has on their minds these days. Uh, you, you talked a minute ago about the increase in homicides in Columbus. I'm assuming many of them are gun-related, although you didn't say that specifically. Um, we're all now, the, the, the debate about guns has risen once again to the surface after Buffalo, after Uvalde. And, and I'm curious um, to get your take on where you see this debate heading. Last night, you had the president uh, making a forceful speech uh, in which he said he wants to outlaw assault weapons and he would like to get, see red flag laws put in place. And at the same time, he acknowledged that it's unlikely that Congress is going to do anything about this. Um, Tell me about your concerns about guns in your community and what you think as you watch this debate uh, uh, go on with no resolution apparently in sight.
4: Well, you know, and I think you said during your intro that uh, as mayors, we don't have the luxury of partisan politics. Uh, We're responsible for trying to create an environment where all of our all of our citizens have an opportunity to not just survive, but, but to thrive. and and guns are just way too available right now Uh, you know I I, I think clearly we can't continue with status quo Uh, we have tried everything and and we had a gun we've had two gun buybacks that we've conducted at area churches Uh, and we had them scheduled to last for three hours and we gave I think we we were given gift cards of $150 uh, no questions asked we do follow up on any stolen firearms but uh, neither one of those lasted longer than about 45 minutes before we had given out all the funds. So there's so many guns out there that people are just lining up and turning them in to get those to get those cards. Um, you know, every one, almost every one of our murder cases that are open have been gun related, and and it's it's exactly as Mayor, Mayor Johnson had mentioned earlier. It's it's the immaturity of the individuals that have access to these guns. You know, they go straight from a, a verbal disagreement to deadly force. And then we see these same kids sitting in the jail crying for their mother. So they clearly aren't able to rationalize what's going to happen when they pull that trigger. You know, the bullet can't be put back in the barrel of a gun. And, and um, we, we like, uh, I think, uh, also like uh, Mayor Ingham said, mo- almost every one of our uh, conflicts are relational. They know one another. Uh, they're not random. These are people that got in an argument, got in a drug deal that went bad or, or got mad because somebody looked at somebody's girlfriend. Uh, so it's, um, you know, it's, it's an issue that's not going to go away. Uh, it's, it's all across the country. We're very fortunate. We have not had any of the mass incidents that have occurred in other parts of the country. Uh, and we have our Homeland Security uh, director that works very closely with the Muskogee County School District Police Department, as well as uh, the AG's office and even the governor's office on the gang task force. Uh, and uh, and it's, we try to stay vigilant because we know that uh, we're not immune from those, ty- those type of things happening.
0: Mayor Johnson, we should say, uh, tell, tell people that um, you have a background in law enforcement. And, and so this is an issue that is uh, very close uh, t- to you, I'm sure.
3: It is. Um, it is extremely close to me. And, and guess what? I could be pro-Second Amendment and, and pro-smart um, gun laws as well. I mean, you can do both. And unfortunately, uh, in our federal government, our state government, that people think it has to be an all-or-nothing thing. And I think that is the crazy part. Um, an average year... Um, almost 1,700 people died by guns in Georgia, and we're like 36 in the country for gun law strength. We have some of the weakest gun laws in the country, um, and our legislature continues to introduce um, harmful legislation. Uh, and then we get surprised about the result. I, my heart is broken about what happened in Buffalo uh, and what happened in Texas, um, particularly as we buried these babies. I mean, who, whose kid has to die before we decide in Georgia that we could do better? That's, that's the ultimate question. I mean, when, they, when it comes on our doorstep, when is our thoughts and prayers going to become um, policy and action? And uh, let me, before I get to, but I mean, you know, this is something that's very, very sensitive to me because the fact is um, some of this stuff is very preventable.
0: Uh, you know what, uh, Jim? I want to give you a chance in a second, but but I think that something Mayor Johnson just said made me think about you, Mayor Mayor Ingram, uh, because you have an example in your community, of uh, of a gun crime that um, that that uh, is really worth talking about for a minute. Um, Denise Gordon, the mother of a 16-year-old child in East Point, who was murdered, um, and it, this happened back in 2018. Um, but, but Denise Gordon tried to take that and turn it around and now has created an, an, an organization uh, working on trying to help young people connect with jobs, have an involvement in the community in a more positive way. But it strikes me that we hear a lot, of course, from Congresswoman Lucy McBath talk about the death of her son and how it motivated her, and you have an example of of another grieving mother in your own community.
2: Yes, and, you know, to what um, Mayor Skip said about the immaturity, and I think Mayor Johnson as well, you know, youth um, and young people are actually some of the perpetrators of some of the homicides within our cities, and so, you know, Ms. Gordon is is an amazingly... um, resilient and, you know, really a person who chose to transfer her pain into something very productive to try to help um, our youth make better decisions, and we are grateful to have her in the city of East Point. Um, Our police chief, Chief Sean Buchanan, is also working with Tri-Cities High School Magnet Program. They have a very um, high-quality magnet performing arts program, and he and the students have um, created some skits, some vignettes. Um, to regarding gun violence and how you know split decisions and quick bad decisions can actually turn into deadly decisions that end up with someone being dead or someone going to life for um going to prison for life and and encouraging people, um young people to think before they act and so it is really um an opportunity to try to be proactive versus reactive every time um a mass shooting occurs and and uh, I am truly heartbroken as well by what happened in Buffalo and Uvalde, and I saw a post recently that said since Uvalde, there's been 12 other mass shootings in our in our country, right? And so, at what point are we going to stop being insane? Insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result, and actually do something that can be proactive and prevent these incidents from happening. It is not rocket science. You can be, and I am pro Second Amendment, but also pro gun control. Um, We do not need assault rifles on the street, easily accessible um, and put in hands of people who are making extremely emotional decisions. And so, you know, those types of incidents and um, we, we can no longer at what point and I'm with Mayor Johnson, which kid, which person? I mean, who is it going to be? And unfortunately, again, from a reactive perspective, so we start thinking proactively about these things and doing what we can do. Banning assault rifles should be common sense by now. You look at all the mass shootings and all of the things that have happened, they've been used. Talking about, you know, raising the age from 18 to 21, I mean, that should be common sense, but also making sure that there's still some level of licensing requirements and making sure that people can be responsible. We require people to get a license to drive a car.
1: And a gun is a much more deadly weapon than a car. Jim, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mary Johnson, uh, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to shortchange what happened in Buffalo or Uvalde, uh, just where you had these horrendous mass shootings uh, with, 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 with an, with an assault rifle. But I, I sometimes think that these disputational homicides that that all, all three of you have been describing get ignored and i'm uh I'm, for instance uh I'm, I'm looking at clayton county where 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 the, just before the end of sc- the school year uh the superintendent ordered the uh, uh ordered or the the, uh, the banning of lock the use of lockers and and book bags because they were just they they were confiscating too many many weapons from that students were bringing in this in, into school, how? It, it it just seems to me that if you're at school, if you're a parent in one community, you have one worry about school security, and if you're you're a parent in another community, you have far different worries. how How do you address how do you address those differences?
4: Well, I'll start.
3: I mean, the fact is that we we need uh, universal. Um, solutions um, and again you know uh, people look at it different ways um, I think you remove the gun from the situation um, you, you remove some of those issues I think when you look across you know in every case so far we've um, basically had family disputes that come to schools. We have gang disputes. Every identified suspect has been a male under 25 years old. I mean, I think there are patterns here that we can we we can definitely see. And then uh, almost always a gun that this person is not supposed to have. Um, you remove you. So so we have enough data to be able to 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 address it in <laughs> a significant enough way that you are able to prevent future situations. But yet we see it and we don't do anything about it.
0: Mayor um, Henderson, I, I, th- I think I'm correct that in, in Columbus, you, the mayor's office does not have uh, any administrative role overseeing the schools. And I think that's true for both uh, uh, of our other mayors on the panel today. And yet school security, school safety is certainly an issue that you and the people in your administration uh, have to pay attention to and must have some concerns about as a result of the latest mass shooting in texas
4: absolutely i mean that
0: that heightens
4: i think the our sense of, of a need for cooperation with our school district we're very very fortunate that we have a very good relationship and a very uh a good partnership with with the school district they actually launched their own police department uh about three years ago four years ago uh so our police chief uh, and in fact, our sheriff—they all work very closely with the uh, with Chief Art from uh, from the uh, school district, and we also work closely with Chief Bennett from Columbus State University, and also the folks over at Columbus Technical College, and 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 we actually have a tabletop exercise scheduled for uh, the next couple of weeks uh, with all of these individuals, plus healthcare, uh, and even some folks from Fort Benning, to just to revisit plans that are already in existence and say, you know, see what we can do to tighten, tighten up areas to make sure that we're protecting our children and our young people when they're, when they're, uh, when they're going to class, you know, that's every parent's worst nightmare. I mean, school was the safe haven, right? When you, when our kids were, were young, uh, you know, we thought, man, that, let's just get them to school. We're in good shape. And, and you don't feel that way in America anymore. Uh, and it's, uh, and, and, Somehow this entire planet has gotten a little askew, and, uh, and we, we, just, we just need to try to make sure that we're all on the same page and working for the same things to try to bring things back into
0: alignment. Um, I've got to get to our first break, uh, but when we come back, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about this, but there are other issues I'd really love to ask our mayors about, along with Jim Galloway. We'll do that in just a moment. Jim Galloway, Columbus Mayor Skip Henderson, Savannah Mayor Van Johnson, and East Point Mayor Dina Holiday Ingram join us today. By the way, us, you all referred to the cri- gun crimes, gun killings, murders being committed by young people. I just looked, Mayor Henderson, at the website of WRBL a little while ago, and I see right down the road from you in Phoenix City, 23-year-old youth uh, Durante person. Uh, shot dead, multiple gunshot wounds. Um, Police are investigating it right now, but it strikes me that this makes the point that this is a day-to-day occurrence, and Jim Galloway, as you point out, the massacres are horrific, but it's the interpersonal gun violence that also, Jim, so um, uh, sometimes overlooked and horrifying. Well, and I think,
4: too, that one of the challenges that uh, is created just by our geography is being sort of the westward gate heading into the south central states and uh, Alabama, Phoenix City. My good friend Mayor Eddie Lowe over there, it's it's a regional uh, uh, initiative and it's a regional challenge, Uh, so we have very, very good relationships with our sheriffs from our Alabama counties, uh, and we have to because it's, I mean, they could commit a crime here in Columbus, be across the bridge and maybe commit a more violent crime as a continuation of their 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 evening uh, exploits, uh, and so we've got to be able to communicate with them, and we do. But it uh, but it shows that it, it just doesn't have any borders. I mean, it doesn't matter the size of the community; uh, it everybody's dealing with the same challenges.
0: Um. I'd like to uh, take up some other issues, uh, if I, I may, with all three of you. And, and Mayor Johnson, I want to go back to, you've already mentioned the Hyundai uh, uh, deal, which is going to bring as many as 8,100 new jobs to the Savannah area. I, I'm curious about, f- first of all, I, I, I'd i love to know why you think the Hyundai deal seems to have met with um, little opposition compared to what we saw when Rivian, the P- Rivian Plan was announced up in, uh, you know, the eastern rural part of the state. What, what was the difference and how officials, I assume you had a, a role in some of this, obviously uh, the governor did as well. What's the difference between those two situations?
3: Well, I think the difference is, particularly over here on this side of the state, is that we were working together. Um, this is in Ellabel which is about 30 minutes west of us, uh, however, Savannah played a major role in providing the water resources for the mega site. Um, when you think about it, just by the shared numbers, $5.54 billion factory um, that will ultimately uh, really change our our community. I mean, uh, not only electric cars, 11 buildings, 17 million uh, square feet of floor space, um, new interchanges, new roads, 8,100 jobs. Uh, this is transformational for us. And so we were working together from the very beginning through our uh, economic development arm, see um, the Savannah Economic Development Authority, uh, working closely with the state. Um, and we were prepared. And so now that it's coming, it will be opening in 2025, which is a very aggressive schedule. We have to be equally united to make sure that we have. Um, housing, making sure that we have a workforce that is prepared to take advantage of these opportunities.
1: You, you know, uh, Mary Jensen, I would, I would also add. Uh, uh, Savannah is kind of acclimatized to this already. With it has the port. You know, it understands that 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 the import. I mean, I've been to Brunswick, Brunswick. I've seen the offloading of the these the these uh these these huge ships containing cars, and I know it'd be smarter to build them right here. So you've got you've got you've got a cultural acceptance of 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 industry on on, on the coast that you didn't have out in East Georgia where the Rivian plant was. So so I I think more change is going to be brought by the Rivian plant. Uh, than by this uh, Hyundai plant, as good it is, as it is. Uh, and I think that's what has people a little bit frightened uh, in, 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 in in those rural areas.
3: Well, you're right. I mean, you know, we, we've gotten used to kind of working together. We recognize that commerce is very important. Um, but then again, as a mayor, um, I'm also now concerned about the impact as well. Um, our port has gotten so busy that there are now plans or discussions to knock down our new bridge, which is only about 20 years old. Um, we have um, we have drilled down um, to now 46. 6 feet, 47 feet uh, in the Savannah River. Um, you know, We want to make sure that we're the best state to do business, but we also want to make sure we're the best state in which to live. And so we don't want to be overrun with trucks and warehouses, um, which people are flocking here to do now. So um, we have to manage growth, as I said earlier before. We have to make sure that we're balancing uh, the economic development, not only for the state, but for the region. But we have to also make sure that our residents here uh, enjoy a healthy um, uh, sense of community and sense of life here in Savannah,
0: uh, Jim Galloway. I I think that you must have smiled when uh, Mayor Johnson talked about maybe a new bridge, <laughs> because we know what his it, city. I would think this, it was before. What, <laughs> what would this bridge be called?
1: My goodness, <laughs> it will uh, be we, called. We should point it out it will to be called
3: one. the new, the old new Savannah Bridge, <laughs> the new old Savannah yeah, Bridge. We, I don't know. It,
0: we, we should point out uh, to our listeners that the, there was great controversy back in around 2018 because that bridge was named for uh, former Governor Eugene Talmadge, an arch-segregationist. And uh, I think that was – was that prior to your time as, as Mayor, uh, Mayor Johnson?
3: It was, but I was on the city council, so I was very familiar. We thought in Savannah that, you know, hey, we should name it because it's in Savannah. And the state said, no, we own it. And so it was just this big thing. (laughs) I know y'all got a lot of knowledge out of that or Political (laughs) rerun.
0: Yes, we did. Hey, Mayor Ingram, uh, talk about economic development in East Point. I I was reading your economic development page on, on the city website, and you make a strong case uh, for the city, uh, being, uh, diverse in its population, located close to Hartsfield, Jackson airport. Um, you're a small community and I'm curious as to what kind of difficulties you have doing the kind of development you'd like to do in, in a community like yours.
2: You know, one of the the challenges Mm. is also our strength, right? So I, our assets, and for and those that you just mentioned, our location, and we're jewel city. We are nestled right, you know, two MARTA stops from the world's busiest airport. Those things attract people to our city, but we, in order to grow in a way that we leave no east corner behind in a way that makes sure that people who have been here with us for decades feel like they can be a part of it and grow and thrive, um, we have to be intentional about that. We have to ensure that we have a plan in place. And so we've adopted an equitable growth and inclusion strategic plan to make sure that we are intentional about how we grow, grounded in community engagement, making sure we have our community engaged and aware of what's happening, and and, and voicing their concerns within the decision-making process. Inclusionary housing. How do we continue to have a city where everyone can afford, regardless of income level? Right. And so when I talk about housing, I think about it from a very comprehensive approach that starts with people experiencing homelessness to transitionary housing, permanent supportive housing, affordable housing, workforce development, attainable housing, like housing for everyone to afford at every income level that is quality housing, as Mayor Skip mentioned before. Um, And and it's something that they can afford at their income level and that we have to be strategic in making sure that we're growing housing inventory at every income level. A lot of times with developments, you have, you know, this affordability mix that creates an 80 percent gap, 10 percent affordable and uh, 90 percent at market. Well, that's usually only for about 10 years. It's an 80 percent gap. It becomes an accelerant everything that happens within the area and you continue to grow in that way and you're literally pushing people out there is a middle housing income crisis within our city the development the, the housing for people at middle income level and i'm talking about upwards of like a hundred thousand dollars we're not seeing those units being built and so as we mm-hmm. try to attract developers into our community that is those are things that we're thinking about like literally i i've, I've like charted out the developments that are happening and what type of income level they are tracking or targeting to ensure that we are looking at those in different levels. But it it requires a level of intentionality. Partnership for Southern Equity was a huge partner with us to develop our plan. And we're trying to, again, attract responsible developers, those who are interested in building community as well as building buildings.
1: Jim? Jim? uh yeah we uh, uh, we just we just mentioned uh the Talmadge Bridge down in Savannah and the effort to re- rename that one and in in and, and at this moment I wish we also had uh Hardy Davis uh mayor of Augusta uh on but 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 mayor Henderson there's there is coming out of Washington this week there is an a, a, an independent commission uh has chosen a new name for Fort Benning it's to be named Fort Moore under uh, after a, a a couple from the, the a married couple from the Vietnam era uh he, he he served in Vietnam she was she was very uh, uh, she 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 was very active in the uh, in, in, in the in the uh, notification process uh, uh, for the military uh, how's that going down in your community
4: well I think certainly when they first passed the, the law uh, that that the these bases were going to uh, go through a name change and uh, there was some pushback. I mean, you've got a lot of people and it's a generational thing uh, I mean, I'm I'm in Columbus, Georgia because my dad happened to be stationed at Fort Benning when I was born uh, He flew helicopters for the army for 23 years still one of my heroes by the way uh, but but I think that the uh, de- very deliberate and very precise process that the naming Commission uh, Went through I think helped to alleviate some of the concern obviously, there are ancillary concerns for us. Um, you know, the naming commission, I think, came up with about four names that they submitted, uh, or excuse me the the local uh, market uh, folks submitted about about four names, and then the naming commission selected uh, fort moore and and i think I think that's a a good choice. Uh, certainly, uh, Hal Moore was stationed here at Fort Benning, and and uh, was deployed from here a number of times and his wife did play a significant role in in bridging the gap I think between the military at that time and the military spouses um, but you know the, the challenge we're going to have now is we've also got some other streets and, and shopping centers and and things named Benning strictly because of uh, it was the primary entrance into into the base so so there'll be a I anticipate a longer community dialogue about uh, about uh, about the renaming process.
0: Um, let's get our final uh, break of the show out of the way and come back with more in just a moment with our mayors and Jim Galloway.
1: Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today.
0: Mayor Johnson, let me start with you. Um, I assume you've now gotten a round of COVID relief uh, money, at least the first round. I'd love to know um, how you're making use of it, what you think it's going to be able to do to help uh, the city. Every city across the country is supposed to receive at least uh, uh, some uh, uh, amount from that first tranche of money.
3: Yeah, um, and you know we're, we're we're happy for it. And and strangely enough, as we sit here, um, we, our numbers have, con- have started to rise again. Um, you know, if, remember the old community indicator, the community index. Um, we're in the two hundreds now. We used to have mass mandates if it was above one hundred. So uh, I just wanted to say that we're starting to watch that again.
0: Well, we should point out that you were the first mayor in Georgia to require masks in your city, and you took a lot of heat from Republicans in the state capitol for doing that. I sure did, and Savannah is having its
3: best year ever because of that. (laughs) Um, We were able to maintain our city's viability, and... um, you know, our city is, uh, all of our indicators are are just moving. But uh, for us, it's really about sustainability. It's about being able, we provide equity, um, particularly for those sectors that have been um, been hurt. Uh, we've gotten some federal money to help businesses that have been further affected by, uh, by COVID, um, to help people to remain in their homes. And we're still having, we, we're having long COVID, so to speak, as it relates to our government's Um, we're still experiencing those types of things. And again, we're a city where we have 15 million visitors that come and so they bring whatever they have with them to our city. And so we have to always be vigilant about making sure that businesses and our government uh, are ready to deal, um, very proactively, um, with mitigation of COVID.
0: Mayor Ingram, how are you making use of COVID funds?
3: Yeah, so we, um
2: received, provided financial assistance for rent, utilities, and mortgage through grants like emergency emergency solutions grants and CDBG grant funding and CARES Act funding. So for our ARPA funds, um, we have prioritized, and that was about a, a little over a million dollars. So through our ARPA funds, we are fo- focused on safety. We allocated five million about $5 million to public safety for police and fire for Equipment for um, salary increases. We're offering a a relocation bonus um, to encourage and um, officers to live within the great city of East Point, where there's no point like East Point. Um, But to be a part of our community um, for (laughs) community policing, you know, I had to throw that in there, right? Um, And so, um, as far as well as equipment, cameras, um, making sure that shot spotters, so we have cameras throughout the city. We're getting more cameras to increase our. abilities to to have surveillance throughout our city. We also use some of the funding um, for water sewer infrastructure projects that we have in our city that we um, have a great need for. And I'm happy to say that the municipal option sales tax passed in the city of East Point, um, College Park, East Point and Haightville where have been the only three cities that are allowed to offer that referendum in addition to Atlanta to deal with our water infrastructure needs that are great. We have over $326 million in each point. So of course, we needed to um, use some of the ARPA funds for that and then small business assistance program. We just rolled that out to assist our small businesses as well as making sure that we um, continue to support people experiencing homelessness and um, non-life threatening challenges. How do we as a system Um, create internal infrastructure and build the internal capacity within our city to support our community and residents in our community now and beyond. I I assured our residents when this first took off um, that we would be with them every step of the way, and we were, and we followed Savannah's lead, and we were the second city in the state to require the mask mandate.
0: You you know— Mayor Henderson, just an aside, I always think when uh, Mayor Ingram is on our show with other mayors, she is always representing by far the smallest city of the mayors that are on the show. But she has so many ideas about how to make her city uh, better that I always love the forcefulness with which she comes on the show. But you, Mayor Henderson, talk about how you're using relief money.
4: Yeah, well first of all, every time I have a chance to listen to Mary Ingram, I'm taking notes. I promise you. <laughs> uh
0: but Yeah, yes, you know, some kind, some kind. Yeah.
4: <laughs> But you know, Columbus, Columbus, Georgia, of course, is is Georgia's second largest city. So, we had an awful lot yeah. of people to try to take care of during the pandemic, and we actually were late to the party with the mass mandate, but we did issue one uh, when the when the availability of the vaccines were delayed and and that was an interesting interesting period of time to go through, but uh, but yeah, we've we've been using our ARPA money uh, in a number of different ways. One, we really were focused because we pivoted, along with the help of the chamber, we pivoted to focus on small business. I actually met with an economist from the local university, uh, I think in April of uh, 2020, before we ever really even had a case. Uh, trying to anticipate what our challenges were gonna be, what their challenges were gonna be, and what the government could do to try to create an environment that kept them some cash flow uh, coming in. Uh, but we've, we've, we've earmarked uh, about uh, 4.8 million dollars for grants that go to small businesses that were impacted by COVID, as well as nonprofits. Uh, we were fortunate enough to uh, uh, receive a, another grant request of another 4 million from the economic development piece from the uh, from the state uh, from OPB. So we'll have a total of just under 9 million dollars that we can try to help nurse some of the folks that uh, were operating small businesses during COVID. Back to health, so to speak. Uh, we've also put uh, uh, about a, a half a million dollars into youth services, expanded some of the programming that we've done. Uh, we, uh, we've, we've also invested in public safety. Uh, we invested in uh, in cameras, uh, much like. See, I, that's that's another tip I got from Mayor Ingram. But uh, we have placed cameras uh, that uh, that in some of the areas of our community that we think will. While they won't stop crime, they'll help us make solid cases, which does impact crime because you can get folks adjudicated and get them get them uh, get them put in, in in prison quicker, and that's that's obviously deterrent. But we've also used some of that money to help change the way we provide services. The labor issues that have resulted, uh, at least partially from COVID, have really been hammering us, just like they are every municipality, and uh, we use a uh, prison labor work camp. Uh, for a lot of the services that we perform, including our garbage and our, our integrated waste, that needs to go away. Uh, number one, we're not teaching those guys anything on the back of a garbage truck. But two, it just wasn't dependable because when the court shut down, we couldn't take care of that. So we've, we've invested in, uh, in some automation that's going to help us eliminate the need for the prisoners on the back of the trucks and at the same time be a little bit more efficient in how we provide services to our community.
1: Jim? yeah i i'm i'm assuming that that all three of y'all are are treating this as as kind of one time money that you're not putting this into in, into any continuing or at least most of it you're not putting in into any continuing uh, expenditures uh if if you're looking to dc and you're looking to congress you're, you uh, i'm watching uh biden's kind of a bid for a second uh, for yet another round of of relief is is probably not going to pass it's probably going to going to get held up does does that put any of y'all into a, into a a, 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 a an uncomfortable situation or do you think we're at the point uh with in in the covid balancing act that that y'all can can make it uh it, very quickly it, it, uh, Mayor johnson
3: well yeah i think you know fortunately for us uh, mayors and cities, particularly in Georgia, uh, we have to have a balanced budget. We can't count out chickens before they hatch. So um, the fact of the matter is um, we would love to have more money. If we don't have it, you know, we have to live. We have to manage anyway.
0: Um, yeah, ma- I, uh, ma- Yeah, go ahead, Mayor Ingram.
2: I I agree with what um, Mayor Johnson said. And also, you know, this is an opportunity. We're looking at an opportunity to um, do equitable Um, to implement equitable initiatives that will sustain the funding that we receive or outlast the funding that we receive. And so jump-starting initiatives that will build our internal infrastructure but also get money and resources in places that we'll be able to position ourselves for future grant funding or future philanthropy in different areas um, through having used this to start the system.
0: Mayor Harrison, a quick response from you, please. Very quickly, yes. Uh, we're very, very uh,
4: aware that we can't pay uh, our rent out of our savings account, so we just use this money on one-time expenses. And we focus focused most of it on trying to help build back up our small businesses.
0: Um, we are out of time uh, for uh, this show, but but I want to say what I said at the start, uh, Jim. Listening to mayors talk about the problems they face every day and the pragmatic ways they have to try to solve them is such a refreshing uh, um, th- uh, thing for me compared to all of the partisan bickering that we hear so much of every day. So I'm really grateful to Mayor Dina Holiday, ingram of East Point, Mayor Van Johnson of Savannah, and Mayor Skip Henderson, your first time on Political Rewind from in Savannah we're go- uh, from Columbus. We're really happy that we had you on the show as well today. And Jim, thank you as always for being with me as my partner on the Friday show, we're out of time uh, for today. By the way, it's National Donut Day, so if you haven't made a visit to your favorite donut shop, I would urge you to do it right now. Um, we'll be back again with a brand new show on Monday. Um, we're going to talk about Supreme Court decisions that we're looking forward to seeing rolled out at the end of the month. Very consequential uh, rulings. And uh, in the meantime, I hope you all have a great weekend. I'm Bill Nygut. See you later. Take care. Stay healthy. Bye-bye, everybody.